Be seated. This morning, as um, or this week, in fact, as I was preparing for this message, well, it was turned on. Maybe it is it going now? Okay, all right. Uh, as I was preparing, I, I began to think about the transition, the beautiful, wonderful transition to midlife, middle age, that glorious time of life. A 39-year-old just looked at me and said, stop. But, uh, you know, we, we, we get to this as I began entering that transition several years ago. I began to think about all the things that changing and all the, the, the things that were coming along with this transition from young adult to middle-aged adult, from early life to middle life and beyond. And I started thinking about uh, things that that happen. There's, there's wrinkling. There's receding. There's sagging. There's spreading. There's all of these sorts of things that don't seem all as lovely as they should be. But then I realized, I began to think that not everything is downhill. Not everything is bad. There are some things that actually get easier and better as life goes on. In fact, I can tell you right now today, Compared to 10 years ago, I float so much better. I want to tell you, I don't know why that is, but I can tread water like a pro these days. You know, uh, 15 years ago, I, I had no dad joke ability, none at all, but they just pop out. They're a lot like preacher jokes, but I'm just, I've gotten a lot better at them as the years have gone by. And then one thing I realized that, that I didn't really know anything about when I was young, but Brought, uh, brought to mind by the scripture today was groaning. Now, when I was a young teen or kid, I could, have, I could pull off an occasional groan. You know, usually it went with an eye roll when my dad was trying his dad jokes or, you know, they were telling me something why so it was something important. Obviously, I hid those things because if, if they saw that or heard that, it was over. But, you know, or maybe if I did something very athletic, I might you know, possibly let out a groan. But I've noticed that these days I am a master at groaning. I mean, I groan all the time. You know, you, when you get to that place where you're, when it's unconscious skill, you're so good at something, you do it without thinking, I'm there. I have reached that pinnacle, you know, and all the time, and actually, I, I don't even notice myself, but I happen to notice, you know, my spouse, and then she notices me. But it's funny because sitting down, that deserves a groan. Getting up deserves a double groan. <laughs> Stretching, bending, walking even. You know, anything and everything, uh, waking up, whatever, it all just seems like it deserves a groan. And, and I can groan with the best of them in a way that I just couldn't do 15 or 20 years ago. And I, some of you are kind of nodding like you have become experts in that area as well. Well, this passage in Scripture is all about groaning. And isn't that interesting that this passage of Scripture actually talks about three different types of groaning? It's all about, and I'm like, wow, I get to preach a whole sermon on groaning. This makes my midlife dad joke self so happy that I get to preach a whole sermon about groaning, and it's all from the Scripture. So this morning, I'm going to talk about Groaning for glory. And that is, we groan now, 
but there's something better ahead. Let's talk about groaning for glory and how groaning is talked about in this passage. First of all, there's groaning from pain. Anybody know about groaning from pain? Have you? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? There you go. Thanks, Lenny. I can always count on you for my amen. And a few others even joined you, I think. You know, uh, this is actually not talking about a middle-aged man or woman here. This groaning from pain is actually talking about creation. In this passage and the first few, the few verses that, that precede it, Paul talks us, tells us that creation groans. Did you know that? All of creation groans. And he said, here's why. It's because creation didn't just decide it wanted to go through some tough times and it wanted to groan. But it says that it was put under a curse and it was caused to groan. And that curse is the curse that came about from the time Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And part of that curse, when, when God looked at Adam and said, now, now the soil is not going to be so easy to till. Now those weeds and thistles and thorns are going to come up. And part of the consequence of mankind's sinful uh, choices is that our creation that was once perfect, it wasn't just that humanity was perfect before they chose to sin. Creation was perfect. Everything went the way that it, that it should have gone. If, thing, if there had never been sin... You and I might never know the word hurricane or typhoon or El Nino or any, any other weather thing that, that causes cataclysmic destruction. We may not have never known about any of that kind of stuff. But the Bible tells us that creation itself groans as in childbirth. There is some pain involved, this world itself. And I can start to think about volcanoes exploding and, and earthquakes as, as these tectonic plates shift and all of these things that we can think about as creation itself groaning because creation is not perfect as it was created. Rather, it was put under the curse as a result of our sin. And isn't that so interesting? He starts with creation groans, but he quickly moves on to us human beings. And so the second thing we see in this passage is groaning with perseverance. The creation groans from pain, but you and I need to learn how to groan with perseverance. So it's okay if you groan a little bit as long as you don't quit. You can groan a little The thing is that we as, as uh, people, the Bible says here, we've had a foretaste of God's glory. We have had the spirit of God has come and dwells in our hearts. And so because of that, because of what we know from God's word, because of what he's done in our spirit, we realize that there's something so much better coming. 
There's something so much better than this world around us and and the faults of creation and the faults of our own bodies as sometimes they just don't behave the way we want them to, as they falter, as they fail, as we hurt. Uh, Not just that, but we realize there is a perfect place coming. There's a place where every tear will be wiped away. There is a place where God's will will be perfectly done. And we're heading for that, and we've been promised that, and yet it's so hard to wait. It's like that present that you're not supposed to know about. That's supposed to be a complete surprise, but somehow you've peaked, or somehow somebody's made, you know, they, they let it slip. And you kind of have to wait. You, even though you know it's coming and you're dying for it to get here, you can't wait. But it's not time yet to receive it. The Apostle Paul says that you and I, men and women, boys and girls, those of us who are Christians, we get to this place where we, we kind of groan because we're like, ah, oh, I know God, you have something better. I know heaven's coming. I know that new body is coming. I know that 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 time in your kingdom where your will is always done, that's coming. And we've got this taste of it. But yet we don't have the whole thing. It's like the down payment has been made, but yet we haven't received the full ride. And, you know, the Bible says we groan sometimes Not because we're ungrateful, but because we're so excited about what's to come. And we look forward to that day in which all things will be done in God's will. And sometimes we get so excited about it, and yet it kind of contrasts so much with the world that we actually live in, that it causes us to groan. And and it causes us to, to ache a little bit. But here's the thing about it. He tells us that the way that we groan, that... In verse 25, but if we don't look forward to something we don't yet have, then we, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. That is that we persevere. We look forward with hope. And it's interesting, he says, it's not hope if you already have it. You, you know, you don't hope to have a new car that you've already brought, bought home from the lot. Okay, you don't hope for something. You hope for something that you're going to get. And he says, we have that hope. And biblically, the hope is not just a wishful thinking, but it's actually something we know to be true, but yet we don't yet have. And because of that hope in this life, we often groan. Our spirit is grieved sometimes when we see sickness and heartache and evil and pain and wrongdoing and and we groan but it's not a groan of giving up it's a groan of oh this is tough but it's going to be worth it all when I see Jesus I'm going to keep oh this is hard but it's worth it for me to keep going to patiently prayerfully persevere until I get to what is waiting for me So there is a groaning from the pain that creation goes through and and we also go through in life. There's a groaning of perseverance that believers have. And then there's a groaning from the Holy Spirit. We've looked at creation, we've looked at human beings, but this is a groaning of the Holy Spirit. Now that's kind of an interesting thing to think about God groaning. Yes, God groans. If you've ever wondered, God groans too. 
And I'm sure he groans for different reasons at times when he sees his children or, or when he sees things that shouldn't be. And he certainly experiences pain. We don't believe in a God like some do, that a God who's so far and distant that does not experience pain. We have a God who came and lived among us so that he might face every temptation and go through every trial and hardship that is common to man. That is the kind of God we have. But we have this God who is groaning in prayer. The Holy Spirit intercedes with us in prayer. And the Bible talks about with words, groanings that words cannot express. This message was initially, my first title was going to be, Don't Know How to Pray, It's Okay. Don't Know How to Pray, It's Okay. Because the Bible says there's going to be times that we come up against in life and, and we don't even know what to say to God. Sometimes we get psyched out about prayer. We think it's something, and I remember as a kid, now my church used to have a thing where when we passed the plates, the ushers would come down and one of them would say the prayer at the end of after all the plates were passed. And, you know, sometimes your mood could be affected by who was going to be praying. Because sometimes you had time for a little catnap before the sermon or, you know, sometimes. But other times I was just really impressed. I would hear somebody praying and, and I'm like, wow, I don't know King James English. But they used the these and thous and thines and, and, and all this stuff. And I thought, man, I don't know how to pray because I can't even talk like that. I don't, I don't get that. And, and sometimes we think of that or, or, or some preacher or some Sunday school teacher, somebody we thought a lot of. And we think, well, I don't know how to pray the way they know how to pray. And, you know, even the disciples were self-conscious about their prayer. Did you know they came up to Jesus one day and they said, Jesus... You know, John teaches his disciples how to pray. But Jesus, you haven't taught us how to pray. Because the, G the disciples, just like us, sometimes we think it's a matter of X, Y, Z, one, two, three, step A, B, C, whatever. And, and then you put together this perfect prayer. But that's not what prayer is about. We, we don't follow a format when we come home. Hello, honey. Well, maybe we do. How was your day? How was your day? What's for supper? What are you cooking? You know, I mean, it's, it, you know there's different... We do get into patterns sometimes, but really natural friendships and relationships, uh, they, they really just flow from the heart, right? And sometimes things are in our hearts that our mouths can't express. Sometimes there's just no words for how we're really feeling. And sometimes we get that place in our relationships with our family and friends, but Many times we get that place with God. God has, God has um, sent us or allowed us to be in a certain place or stage in life, and we don't even know how to pray about it. I mean, sometimes we know exactly and we say, God, I need please for you to do this. And other times we say, God, I, I don't have a clue. Or God, I, I think I do, but I don't even know how to tell you. And Paul says, that's okay. Because the Spirit of God that God has sent as a foretaste of the fullness of the full experience of salvation and full adoption. That when everything comes together and culminates when we're with Jesus. We, we already have the Spirit though as, as just a taste. As just a little bit of that. And the Spirit of God sees and reads our hearts and minds. And the Bible says that these, these things in our hearts that words can't even express. 
that the Spirit takes them and he talks to the Father with groanings that are inexpressible words, that can't be put into languages. These feelings are so powerful and so complex. And we say, how will I ever share them with God? How will he ever understand? And the Holy Spirit of God understands. And the Father understands the Spirit. And the whole point is that there is nothing that you are going through that God cannot understand. There is nothing in your life that you are facing that is not relevant to your relationship with him. God is never checked out. He's never distant. He's never confused. He's never behind your situation. He's right there with you, and he understands, even if it takes groanings that are beyond the limits of the, of the written and spoken language, God does whatever he has to do to understand exactly what goes on with you. And when this passage ends, what we didn't read was that famous passage in verse 28 of Romans 8. And that is that all things work together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, as we trust God in everything, we understand that not everything is good, but yet God is listening, he is loving, he is ministering to us, and God is with us even through our darkest moments. And to the point that as we cry out and can't even express ourselves, the Spirit of God groans and prays and intercedes for us so that the Father understands it all exactly. So, how much do you groan in your life? Maybe you haven't gotten to my level yet, and you're not groaning on a daily or hourly or minute-by-minute basis, but uh, the older we get, most of us get more familiar with that concept of groaning. And there's reasons to groan, because sometimes life is hard. Because sometimes we know what is already promised to us and which is actually our possession, we cannot yet fully experience. Sometimes we groan because our understanding of the situation or our ability to express it is not enough. But the thing about this groaning Paul talks about is that it's not a giving up groaning. It is a patiently persevering. Because you know that groaning that it talked about uh, for creation, it said creation, it didn't say creation groans as in when you get hurt really bad. It said creation groans as in childbirth. And here's the thing about that childbirth groan. I don't get it. I can't fully understand it. But I do know this. I know that at the end of all that pain, if things go right, there's a reward. Through all of that hardship, through all of that labor, through all of that hurt and pain, there is a beautiful delivery that comes through. And God is saying to us, this is like childbirth. Yes, there's hardship. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's labor. Yes, there's difficulty. But if you hold on, I've got a beautiful, wonderful blessing. That is waiting for you. Now simply hang on 
persevere in love and faith and all that I've commanded you to do because something beautiful is waiting. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you relate to us. God, even though you're far above us, you're as high as the heavens are above the earth, yet you are also God with us. Your son Jesus in the incarnation came and lived among us. Your spirit now dwells with us. And there's never a moment that we're alone. And so our life is often grown worthy. It's often hard. It's often difficult. But God, there's something waiting for us. Creation will be restored. Humanity, all those who love you and have a relationship with you, we have something worth looking forward to. And in the meantime, even as we gut it out and we groan through the hardships of life, your very spirit, Lord, is with us, encouraging us and drawing us and helping us forward. God, we pray and we ask all these things that you would bless our walk with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.